We're going to, I'm going to take a little bit of a divergence from the Gospel of Mark the next few weeks as we approach Christmas, going to be looking at some different aspects of the Christmas story, the Christmas message, and probably looking at some Christmas hymns that some we would be very familiar with, others maybe not quite so much, to just share some of the the Christmas story. So we're going to... Uh, start this morning, the title of the message is Let Worship Erase Your Worry. Let Worship Erase Your Worry. Now, I know none of us worry, but for those that you know that might, you can share this with them. Worship, erasing our worry. Have you ever been caught off guard by something, some news, some event that you totally did not expect Sometimes, praise God, they're positives. A lot of times, there seems to be some negative that goes along with it. Whether it be positive or negative, this thing that happens, it catches you off guard. It has the potential to truly impact your life in a significant way. Um, We probably don't even understand all the challenges that may or may not come when we hear this thing. But it certainly is something that can be life-altering in certain ways sometimes in many ways. It could be something like a death in the family. It could be something like a diagnosis that we did not expect to have happening. It could be something to do with relationships. The list could go on and on. You get the point. And in my life, in Cindy's life, and most of you know a lot of our story or most of all of our story, um, we've had a number of those things that come to my mind right away. You know, Luke's diagnosis in the womb before he was even born that there was a stroke. Part of his cerebellum was gone. We weren't expecting that. Caught us off guard. Worry, fear, all those things have the potential to come flooding in if we're not cautious. Something a little different when Amber got engaged, my daughter got engaged, another guy thought he was going to take my daughter away from me. Oh boy. Life changing. But at least it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. Ethan, I'm riding home in an airplane with Ethan from from Arizona. We're both in the front row with the aisle between us, and all of a sudden I'm looking at my son have a seizure in an airplane. Golly, did people get excited? Me too. Only one that wasn't was Ethan. But at the moment, all these thoughts come flooding in. What is going on here? What's going to happen? It wasn't quite as shocking because there had been some discussion, but when it officially was approached by the elders to consider becoming the pastor of Victory Church, boy, I was just a little bit nervous. Flat out scared. Not quite as earth shattering as Cindy decides to retire. Good news, bad news, we'll see. No, it's been great. (laughs) But all those things happen. Your 95 year old mother in law comes to live with you. Praise God, she's still living with you when she's 101 almost. But all these things, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, you're not looking for it. You're not expecting it. And something happens. And boy, if you're not careful, 
fear, worry, anxiety can get a roothold and all of a sudden that all becomes something greater in our life. We may go into this darkness of depression or oppression. We may even start getting angry and wondering, where in the world is God in all of this? God, you're, I'm a Christian. You're my insurance policy. You're supposed to protect me from all these things. We know better. But we sort of sometimes can think that way. Well, there was a young girl in a remote village in the middle of nowhere, a little tiny town called Nazareth in a region called Galilee. And this young girl, we don't know for sure, most estimates anywhere from 13 to maybe as old as 18 years old, just going about a normal day, probably in a little tiny house, quite probably dust floors, doing whatever she was doing on that given day. And all of a sudden, if you look at the story in the different Gospels, in, in uh, Luke it says, somebody enters the house. And while this was happening, actually just before this entrance occurs, there's a conversation going on in heaven. It tells us in, in Luke that, that God calls angel Gabriel. Wouldn't you love to have been there? I'd love to know how angels think. Gabriel, come here. Yes, Lord. I got a task for you to do. I want to send you down to this remote place in the middle of nowhere to a nobody. And I want you to tell them something for me. Okay? Great. What? I don't know how much angels understand about everything. But if I was that angel, I'd be listening and thinking, wow, I wonder where I'm going, what I'm going to do. And then when he delivers the, the message, there's this young girl, she's a virgin, and you're going to go talk to her. And she is going to become pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the baby she's going to give birth to is going to be the Messiah. The Messiah. Okay, now back to earth, and there's Mary. Gabriel comes walking in. You wonder what he looked like? I'm pretty sure he didn't look like a giant with wings because I think Mary's response would have been different. But it says he entered in to this place and he says, Greeting, favored one, the Lord is with you. Good so far. But Mary, it tells us, was greatly troubled by this greeting. She didn't understand it. She says, what does this mean? An angel. Did she know it was an angel? I don't know. But it's a stranger she's not seen before. Greetings. Favored one. What does this mean? And the angel's response is simply, don't be afraid. We've heard this story so many times, we just kind of go, yeah, right, right, right. Think about it for a second. (laughs) Don't be afraid, favored one. Okay, I'll, I'll... I'll trust you a little bit so far. And then he starts talking. And he says, you're going to conceive. You're going to bear a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be a really special child. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Here's what he says about this special child. Now remember, you're just busy doing dishes or sweeping the floor, whatever you're doing. When this all takes place, 
And he says, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. What? That might have been my reaction. What are you talking about? Mary says, what? How in the world can this be? I've never known a man. I don't understand. And the Holy Spirit's so good, he just answers the questions real clearly. Well, it's like this, Mary. You're going to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. And the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And voila, you're pregnant. You're going to be pregnant. Oh, boy. And he will be called the Son of God. Now, try to imagine if it's possible. If you were Mary and you got this unexpected announcement into your life, what would you be thinking? Where would your mind go? She's engaged or betrothed in the scriptures in the Old Testament to Joseph. What am I going to tell him? Well, Joseph, I really love you. I hope you understand this, but I'm pregnant. I'm going to be pregnant if I'm not already. But don't worry. It's, it's from God. How many of you think that excuse would work? I don't think it didn't work very well there even, did it? If we know the story of Joseph, he, he really was a great guy and he loved her and just decided to try to put her away quietly. I mean, can you imagine how scared she might have been to tell Joseph this story? How nervous, how fearful. Gets past Joseph and now it's, okay, mom, dad, come here a second. I got to tell you something. Right, right, Mary. Like that just happened? The potential for shame, fear. Wow, assuming it's all true and she believed it. How am I going to support this baby? Where am I going to live? How am I going to take care of myself? The questions that could have come flooding into your mind. And then it almost appears like, and appears like means it's not necessarily in the scripture this way, so you get that, right? Okay, it appears like Mary's like, okay, who in the world can I talk to about this? Well, the angel, when he was talking to Mary, had told her something that was a miracle. He says, Elizabeth, your relative, that really, really old lady who's married to this really, really old guy, is pregnant. With God, nothing is impossible. Well, maybe, maybe Elizabeth will understand. Maybe she could relate. So we're told that she goes to Elizabeth. And we know most of us the response, Elizabeth, before they even have a conversation. The baby in her womb leaps as Mary is approaching. And Elizabeth encourages Mary, gets excited for Mary, understanding what was going on, at least in part. And I believe Mary understood at least in part. Because the song that Mary wrote, 
and saying, I don't know if she wrote it, somebody did. It's in our scripture. She refers to her quotes Old Testament scripture 15 times. However old this young lady was, this young girl, the word of God was in her. The word of God was in Elizabeth. It was in them. So when this surprising news came, there was at least a little bit of understanding as the shock would wear off. And Mary is encouraged. In verse 45 of Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. This is a sidebar, something I really don't think I've ever thought about before. It's like, will be accomplished. I wonder when Mary actually became pregnant. Doesn't matter. We know she did. But if you look at that phrase, it's like it's going to happen. She was believing it was going to happen. Mary responds, I believe, to the blessing, encouragement of Elizabeth. And I believe it really caused her faith to soar. You know, if you and I have something come into our life unexpected, what a blessing it is to have a brother or sister in Christ that we can go talk to, and they can encourage us and strengthen us. Such a blessing. And I believe this just added to the blessing in Mary's heart. And she responds with worship. Instead of worrying, we see words of worship coming out of her mouth. Her focus isn't on all of this stuff and all the what-ifs and the could-bes and the maybes. It's on worshiping God. That's where her focus went right away. I believe praise and worship actually drives away the temptation to worry, to enter into fear. Man, the first hint, first indication that your mind is going there, start praising, start worshiping God, and that temptation to slide in that direction disappears. Let worship erase your worry. Two questions that I would usually have on almost anything like this would be, first of all, okay, I'm supposed to worship, that's good. How do I do that? And I'm not going to spend too much time on the how, but the second question would be, why? Why should I worship? To me, that's the important thing. That's what's going to motivate me. That's the why should I worship. The how, I just want to say a few words. One, worship. Kind of a combination of two words, worth. Worthship. Worth. Give value to God. How do I do that? Live your life in such a way, in every part of your life, that it brings worth, value to God. Worth. Live to make God look good instead of yourself look good. Live that people see the value of God. They may not even understand it. Don't even worry about that. But we're to live that way, the totality of our life. What I do want to focus on is the why. Why worship? Why did Mary worship? We're going to read a segment of text here. 
But I want us to think, first of all, in our own lives, right here today. Or you could think of any things that popped up in your past. Why worship? I mean, some of us in here in the last year have experienced divorce. The marriage is disintegrated. Why would I worship? Some of us have lost a loved one, a very close member of our family. Why worship? We've been locked up for a whole lot of time in the last two years. Why worship? I've been diagnosed with a disease that doesn't sound good. Why worship? Why would I do that? My finances are a mess. I don't know how I'm going to survive the next month. Why worship? My relationship with my son or my daughter or my spouse is terrible. It's falling apart. I don't want to know what to do. Why worship? Why should I worship God? I have unsaved loved ones, unsaved children. I have prodigal child walking away from the Lord. All of these things going on. Why worship? We could find a whole lot of reasons why to not worship God. But why should we worship him? Mary, in this scenario, we know that we still call her blessed, right? Blessed art thou among women. It's in the word. But she's just a young daughter, a young girl. We don't know how old for sure, but she's just a young girl. Hasn't experienced much of life. She's living out in the middle of nowhere, a nobody. And all of this happens and her world is turned upside down by the words of this angel. How's it going to happen? What's it going to look like? What are people going to say? What are they going to think? My mom, my dad, Joseph, he's going to be crushed. I love him. Why worship? Well, I think when we look at Mary's song, we see at least four things that give us great reasons why we should worship. I want to read starting in verse 46 through verse 55. And this is Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one, the mighty God, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, and to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers." First Christmas carol, if you would. Mary, instead of worrying, worships. Why? The first thing I want to offer to us is because she understood that God sees her. God sees her. I hope we relate to this. In the midst of whatever we're going through, God sees you. He sees you and me. He knows where we're at. He sees us. He's paying attention. He's an all-knowing God, and he loves you and me. He sees us. 
here she is, this poor girl. And we kind of know her and Joseph were poor when they went to dedicate Jesus in the temple. They bought the poor man's sacrifice, a couple pigeons. That's all they could afford. She's a poor girl living in the middle of nowhere. You think Balaton's the middle of nowhere. Amongst a group of people. Living a very simple life. She's nobody. She is not important. She's not a princess, except maybe in her dad's eyes. She's not a queen. She's not royalty of any kind. She has no position of power. She's just a humble servant of the Lord living in Nazareth of Galilee. But God sees her. That should encourage every one of us. If God saw Mary where she was located, he sees you and me. And Mary understood this. And you know what? We all have a desire. Don't put on this false humility now. But we all have a desire to be seen. We all have a desire to be noticed. We all have a desire to be appreciated. We all have this desire to know that other people care about us. It's in us. And we've seen it, and we can see it in so many ways. I mean, if you happen to have a really nice dog, I have a dog named Sadie, little black lab female. I can ignore her for days on end. I don't. I feed her. But I could ignore her for days on end. When I come to that kennel, open the gate, she just about knocks me over, runs in circles around me. And if I happen to have time to stop and pet her, oh, my gosh, it's love at first pet. All she wants is to be noticed. She just wants a little attention. She just wants a little affection. She just wants to know she's appreciated a little bit. Really, that's a picture of our hearts if we were honest with ourselves. That doesn't mean we're filled with pride. doesn't mean that at all. We can be very humble, and we still have that need within each one of us. And Mary did too. And God saw her. She says, my, Lord, my soul glorifies the low, my soul, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, that he has been mindful of his humble servant. He's seen me. I'm going to worship him because I know he saw me. Does anyone see you? Does anyone see your pain? Does anyone see what you're going through? The answer is the same as it was for Mary. Yes, he does. He knows what you're going through. He sees you. You know, as a church, we want to see you. We want to notice you. We want to know you're appreciated and that people care. We're not perfect as a church. Sometimes things slip through our fingers, but that should be the desire and is the desire of this church that we want you to know that we see you. We try to get better at all the time, but the reality is there's only one person that knows you completely and sees you all the time, and that's the Lord. That's worth worshiping God for. Mary knew that. God saw her, so she worshiped. The second thing I think we can see here is the fact that Mary understood that God gave her a strength as she goes through this difficult time. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that, from the text we read, starting in uh, maybe 
48, last part of 48. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. It goes on and says in verse 51, His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm and scattered the proud. Mary is worshiping with these words and realizing who her God is. That mighty God in the Old Testament time, it really was a reference to the mighty warrior. The mighty warrior God that has taken care of Israel all these years, who set us free, who's delivered us, who's won battles and victories for us when we were outmanned and outarmed. The mighty God, the mighty warrior, that's who's noticed me. Mighty, mighty God. And he is holy. Holy. God is, is separated from his creation. He's different than us. Amen? He's different than us. But yet he sees us as the crown jewel of all of his creation. And he loves us more than anything else. He loves us. He strengthens us. And there's that word picture there about his mighty arm taking a little liberty. It's almost as if, God, you are mighty. You are my warrior God. You are going to give me strength. You reach down from heaven, that mighty arm that's never shortened. And you give me strength no matter what I'm going through. You're going to take me through it. You're going to lead me through it. You are going to bring me out the other side. Think about it. The God of eternity, the God of creation. God who holds all things together. Knew who Mary was. Knew her name. Sent an angel to talk to her. And he knew everything that Mary would be going through. He knew what was going to go through this poor young lady's mind. And he even knew what Mary was going to have to endure in the lifetime of her son, Jesus. He already knew. He knew what Mary did not know. He knew that Mary was going to be standing at the foot of the cross someday, watching her little boy be murdered. He knew. But all Mary knew at this time was whatever comes, my God strengthens me. My God sees me and he strengthens me. That's why she's going to worship God. But she doesn't stop there. She says right away, my soul rejoices in God, my, what was the next word? Savior. She recognized it was God that has saved her. My God who saves me. Now this might do, this would do some damage to some denomination's theology. But Mary needed saving, just like the rest of us. She was not a sinless human being. And she recognized that fact. And she acknowledged that fact. That I rejoice in God my Savior. So she worshipped him because she understood that there was nothing else that could satisfy. In a sense, Mary was really the first person changed by the Christmas story that's changed the life of every single one of us here. The story revealing that God became human to save humanity. 
This is the picture that, that gives unbelievable meaning to that scripture. Most all of us, if we grew up in a church at all, know in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came to earth to save humanity. That whoever so believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. The story of God becoming human changed the world. And it's really interesting, if you just take some time and think about it, how much commotion this guy still causes 2,000 years later. I mean, really, every time you look at a calendar, we're reminded, B.C.A.D., what are we living in? Well, you know, here we are. And there's, I mean, just talk about Jesus and watch what's happening. He was controversial centuries ago. He's controversial today. Can we worship him? Do we dare worship him? Do we keep our mouths shut so we don't feel embarrassed, ashamed, guilty? He sees you and me. He strengthens us in those difficult times. And he saved us just as he saved Mary. It's an amazing story that we get used to. But the reality is, Mary, in the midst of this life-changing thing, worships God. And the last thing I want to point out that I see here is in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty. First of all, just because you got a lot of money doesn't mean he sends you away empty. The meaning here is more of those that think they have all they need. They've accumulated all that can satisfy. They have no other needs. They don't see a need for God. They don't believe he sees them, doesn't believe he strengthens them. It's all me. It's all my gifts, all my talents, all my brilliant decisions. They certainly don't need to be saved. They've got it all. That's what he's referring to, that attitude, not a bank account, okay? But what is really important, I think, for Mary's position and what she says is, if you are hungry and you are thirsty, he will satisfy you. He will satisfy you. He has filled the hungry with good things. If you're hungry and thirsty, he will fill you with his favor, his grace, and his mercy. Most of us here, I, most of us here that have truly accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, I think would have to acknowledge, we under the, understand the fact that uh, nothing in the world could satisfy our needs. Whatever it is, it makes you feel good for a little while, but it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fill that void in our life. Nothing. All the money in the world, all the celebrity in the world, all the power in the world, all the prestige in the world, the greatest reputation in the world, and you're going to find yourself lacking. There's nothing you could do to satisfy. Living our lives for ourselves is pointless. It will not satisfy. The really neat thing is, with this being true, 
You're in my standing before God has nothing to do with any of that stuff. Your standing before God doesn't depend on how nice your house is, how fancy your car is, how much money you got in the bank. It doesn't depend on any of those things. We all stand before God for one reason and one reason only, holy and righteous in his sight, because we've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for us. He died for me. Jesus was clear when he was quizzed by the religious leaders. He just simply said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father, gets to the Father, but through me. Mary understood that God saw her, strengthened her, saved her, and satisfies her life. And and only Jesus, I, I hope all of us here have reached that place where we actually literally cried out to God and said, there is nothing in me. If this is all there is, what's the point? And most of us have gotten there in one form or another if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Why did Mary worship? I think those are four pretty good reasons. Understanding that no matter where you're at, what you're going through, God sees you and he will give you the strength to get through it, and he has saved you and me if we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And there is a satisfaction that the world can't understand. You know, we talk about the joy of the Lord or the peace that passes all understanding. All those things, those are what satisfy us, and they do not come from the world. They come from the Lord and only him. Mary's an interesting character in the sense of not what the world has done with her or what any particular denomination has tried to do with her. She's an interesting person to me because when she comes on the scene in the scripture as this young girl, after she hears the message, the first thing we see about her is she's a worshiper. And if you want to take that song apart that we just looked through and look at all of the references to Old Testament scripture, you're thinking, boy, this little girl knew the word. She knew the word. She was a worshiper. And then the very last scene that we have of her in the Bible is interesting also to me. And it's in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait. And then we get to the place where it says they're in the upper room. And then it tells us the names of all 12 of the disciples. And then it says many women but there's only one woman named. Matter of fact, there's only one person named besides the disciples, and that's Mary. And in this last scene, what do we see her doing? Worshiping in prayer. She came on the scene worshiping, and the last scene we see of her in the scripture is one of her being a worshiper. You know, for each and every one of us here, as long as we're alive, there's always going to be a temptation to worry. That should have gotten an amen, at least from one person beside me. Always opportunities to worry. Always. That's when we need to remember the things I've just mentioned. He knows you. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. As you lean on him and surrender and come to him humbly, just saying something as simple as, God, I'm in trouble. I can't do this. I'm going to trust you. He will give you strength because he's rescued us. 
and he's a loving Heavenly Father. Let worship erase your worry. And we're going to continue in the Christmas mode for the next few weeks. So I encourage you to go read the familiar story again. Look for what's not familiar. Look for what the Lord can show you.